0: Come in, damn it. You're sure a punctual bastard. Welcome to the podcast at Orgy Castle. Sit back, darling, and enjoy with your hosts, Derek and Paula.
1: Welcome back, listeners, to a new episode of the podcast at Orgy Castle. Woo! Paula, you've been gone for a little bit. How are you doing tonight?
0: I am so good. I had the best girly road trip that anybody ever had.
1: What's the girliest thing you did on this road trip?
0: Hiked out of a remote hot springs wearing little more than a bikini with a dress strapped around myself as a sarong while my BFF made me a head wreath out of little orange flowers because they reminded her of me. And then we got to the head of the trail and there was a dog and we kidnapped the dog (laughs) and took it while we were wearing our bikinis and our wreaths and took the dog to the nearest town, which was Española, which was about 30 miles outside of Taos. And had the dog scanned and realized that we need to take the dog exactly back from where we came from because we were white chicks who didn't realize that that dog belonged as the concierge at the hot springs where we had just hiked out of.
1: So, would yeah. you would you blame this behavior on legal edibles?
0: Only halfway, <laughs> because yes, I was high on edibles the entire time I was in Colorado and New Mexico. But th- this really had to do with the fact that Jesse and I are two chicks from Oklahoma City who saw a dog out in the middle of nowhere, despite it wearing a collar
1: hmm. And just took for granted that and it just was took for granted him. out in the middle of the
0: New Mexico desert that this dog was lost. It was not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's right where it needed to be.
0: It was right where it needed to be. And so that was probably, like I said, the most white girl thing that we did. But it was an amazing trip. That's a that's a beautiful. The Four Corners area of the United States of America is a beautiful, beautiful place. And we Agreed. had a great time. And the worst thing that we did was kidnap a dog.
1: Well, you didn't technically kidnap a dog. We took the
0: dog back. We really yes. did. And we never really learned the dog's real name. We were calling him Randy because we found him in a place called Miranda Canyon.
1: Did uh, did Randy like cheeseburgers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there was no cheeseburger picnic. He was, very, <laughs> he was very lean and lovely and was very confused as to where we were taking him. And then we took him back home and everything turned out fine. So, but
1: I'm yeah. sure he was just happy either way.
0: Uh, he seemed pretty content. He did. <laughs> good. And, you know, they, like I said, I got to run around like a fucking banshee in a bikini and kidnap a dog. So it was all good.
1: Well, this oddly sounds familiar. This kind of sounds like our movie that we watched tonight. <gasps> oh, my God. This is so good. So this is the first movie in a long time. We've We've broken a rule that we had for at least a couple months now where we stopped taking listener suggestions.
0: Yes. Yes. Vaughn.
1: Thanks to Vaughn, who is a huge supporter of this podcast, loves this podcast to death, but totally fucking trolled us.
0: Yeah. LA zombie. I don't even want to talk about it.
1: So one of our listeners, Tom, Tom. he recommended that we do alucarda, Mm -hmm. which when, when I think about this podcast, that wasn't a movie that necessarily like popped into my mind. Which is
0: weird considering how much I love lesbian vampire films.
1: Right. But do you really consider this to be straight up a lesbian vampire film? Nope. No, this is uh, for me. This is far more of a satanic panic kind of movie.
0: Oh, no, this is a lesbian menstrual panic kind of movie. This was, yeah, this definitely had like, All the hallmarks of women are terrifying, especially when they bleed. We should dominate them.
1: (laughs) This is true, especially old white priests that come in and have to tell everybody after they know exactly what's going on, have to tell them what's really going on.
0: Old white priests with not good boobs.
1: Oh, folks, Alucarda, thanks to our listener. Tom is the movie of the night made Mm. in 1977 by Juan Lopez Matazuma. Yep. is the story of Justine who arrives at a mummy nun convent after the death of her parents. Now, they aren't really mummies. No,
0: they're not. But if you spun them. You could get them naked in like five seconds.
1: Five seconds. It's the weirdest looking nunnery that I've ever seen. I mean, I n- never have seen any habits that looked like wrapped num- mummies. Uh,
0: and you're from Wisconsin, and you know Catholic nuns. so
1: I, I was raised and brought up a Catholic, so mm. unfortunately.
0: though. Yeah.
1: She goes to this convent. They bring her in, and she meets this mysterious woman named Alucarda.
0: Which is a, God, was it anagram? Is that the word I'm looking for? For Dracula?
1: It's it's Dracula backwards with an A on the end. There you go. Obviously, you know, right off the bat, there's going to be some vampirism nonsense that's going to pop up. But anyways, Alucarda immediately takes a shine to Justine. Well, uh, she would, yes. Takes her to her favorite spot, this remote crypt where she professes her love within five minutes of knowing her. Mm hmm. Opens one of the graves and breathes in corpse breath. Oh, so much corpse breath. <sighs>
0: yeah. Like you haven't brushed your teeth or flossed for at least three weeks.
1: At least three, or just me in the morning when I wake up. The corpse breath turns both of them into possessed vampires. And the rest of the movie is uh, a bunch of craziness where all the mummy nuns go nuts because Alucarda can ignite people with her witch eyes, naked, bloody women all about. And then mm, mm-hmm. priests come and try to tell the nuns what to do. And they obviously have no clue what to do. So,
0: well, yeah, that's that's pretty much it,
1: Paula. Alucardar, yes. Have you seen this movie before?
0: I saw it. I think last year before the 31 Day Movie Challenge that this was one of the movies that I kind of warmed up with because I spent the entire month of September watching Gialli and Mexican and Brazilian horror films. So I saw this before, but I've not. It it was, you know, kind of one of those movies that was in the rotation that I didn't really pay attention
1: to. Well, I think it's one of those movies that could slip between the cracks and seem samey when watching things of this era from this region.
0: Yeah. yeah, Cause I love, um, I love lesbian vampire films. I do. And so I was watching a lot of Roland and I, I honestly think that this one slipped through the cracks when I was, when I was kind of going on my, my lesbian uh, vampire bender. And so this one didn't quite seem like Satanica pandemonium.
1: It has hints of it, just it, little hints.
0: It, it, it definitely does. Like I said, I just think I was too not paying attention to it when I when I watched it the first time.
1: Why do you feel that? Do you think in rewatching it now that maybe this is a little loose and kind of more atmospheric than it is kind of like a straightforward plot-driven movie?
0: Almost oh, definitely, most definitely. Which is why I'm surprised it didn't catch my attention the first time because that's what I'm into. But this had so much going on in it. It didn't have, you know, the arc of the hero and all that kind of stuff. But this movie exhibited so much fear towards women Mm -hmm. that it was was just mind-boggling.
1: I think that was more the point of this than any kind of straightforward narrative. Yeah. Because after a while, the plot kind of just falls away and you don't really have to pay attention to it too much.
0: No, you don't. You definitely do not. And and what really comes out is the, the filmmakers and the culture from once the filmmaker came's fear of women. I, that that that's that's kind of what I got from this film, and, and and I see that in a lot of the other movies that we watch, but this was so incredibly obvious. I mean, I don't think I've seen this much of a display of menstrual blood since oh, what was the name of that movie? Lolita vibrator torture.
1: <laughs> this is far more palatable than Lolita vibrator torture.
0: Uh, it was it, it was definitely different, but there was so much. The expression of fear of women in this was strong.
1: So when you say this, give mm-hmm. me a few examples. Give the listeners a few examples as to why you feel Alucarda is such a huge statement against or, or for the fear of women.
2: Well, the
0: representation of Alucarda as being such a driven character, her obsession with Justine was it it, did, it didn't end. And it was shown as being a negative as opposed to a a, a positive thing. It, it was almost like a single white female kind of obsession and terror with the, the with this woman. I, I I it just seemed like a very much a fear of lesbianism and feminism to me. Like, like I said, they showed Alucarda the female Dracula as being such a menace.
1: Almost right off the bat, like oh, we oh just yeah. Justine shows up and Alucarda is all over her immediately I mean there's no breath in trying to get to know each other and I think some of that may be just you know to move the plot along because they weren't super concerned with you know the whole build up of a love angle with the two of them they just want to throw you in the midst just realize that there's some supernatural um, force at play here drawing these two together
0: Oh, yeah, most definitely. It's just a fear of of women's relationships with other women. Ayukarda never had a fucking chance. She was seen as fucking insane from the very beginning until she was gone at the very end. And just being so driven by her passion for women, especially Justine, which is funny that they use the name Justine because that was the uh, Marquis de Sade's favorite heroine.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Who was not the one who lost her entire femininity and humanity and became a superhuman like Juliet, Justine's sister, but the very weak and abused symbol that he used in his literature that, that, that was justified by uh, Justine.
1: Which is kind of a parallel to this Justine as well.
0: Oh yeah, most definitely. She's seen as being, um, she's seen as being a victim.
1: Absolutely. I mean, she is what's supposed to be the avatar of the, the viewer off the bat. She's the lead character. Yeah. We follow her into this situation. But then once they, you know, confess their love for each other and they breathe in the corpse breath, both <laughs> of them become menaces towards the church and everyone around them.
0: Yeah, as is any woman who doesn't bow to the patriarchy, I guess.
1: One of my favorite scenes
0: oh, in yeah? this movie. Oh, yeah? Tell me.
1: Had to be once, you know, the two of them are found by the nunnery and they're kind of set before the council. And, you know, they're trying to determine what is so wrong with the two of them, because obviously something is is made them sick. Something is bothering them
0: that they would want to go down on each other as opposed to going down on a man.
1: (laughs) So so they're standing there and they're trying to, you know. Uh, pray the the evil away from them, and the both of them turn around and just look at them and tell them how evil they want to be, and. <laughs> they praise Satan and all this other stuff. It was one of the best scenes I've ever seen in any other
0: it, it was really good. It was really, really funny when she starts quoting basically Ghost Year Zero that we yeah. were talking about. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you think they got that from this?
0: Um, yep. I'm starting to wonder how much <laughs> Tobias Fiorge loved Mexican Satanic Nun Cinema. Yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> A yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a bit,
0: quite a whole bit. And then as do I. So I can't complain.
1: Yes, but there's definitely, you know, the vibe of the Spanish and Mexican satanic cinema. They all kind of have the same vibe to it. Like this d- definitely had vibes of satanic pandemonium in it. There, There's something with, you know, Catholicism and these regions of the world that just produced these movies that all kind of feel the same and oh yeah this more than maybe some of the other ones that i've watched almost i hate to say this because i did enjoy this movie almost was kind of wallpaper for me after a while yeah why Maybe it could have been that it it wasn't super plot driven. So you there's a lot of scenes where everything that's going on is kind of inconsequential and it's just, you know, blasphemy to be blasphemous. And, you know, women there, of course, we have a great sequence where a priest is getting whipped by a bunch of topless nuns and. And there's a bunch of flagellation going on. Yes, that's a great scene. But then it's a great <laughs> scene. Then there's there, but there's other scenes where people are just laying on slabs and people are talking and not much is going on. And monks and mummy nuns are just running all over the place. And it just it kind of meanders after a while. I liked it. I liked the the tone of the movie. I loved the soundtrack of this movie, that organ. The nonstop organ playing in this. It it was so cheap. I loved it. That stuff is so great. Also, a lot of great sets like the scene with the the crucifixes all hanging behind. Uh, This came from a time where you could have a matte painting of a building and consider that a wide shot. Yeah. (laughs) So there's something super charming about the set dressing and the atmosphere of this movie. The plot not necessarily the strongest, and if you're looking for more of stuff like Jean Rolin, like you had said, I think this is far more in line with some of his dreamier you know vampire movies,
0: oh yeah, this if you're looking for a plot don't don't uh turn this movie on oh definitely not this is this is definitely along the lines of a dreamy genre land uh vampire lesbian kind of a thing mm-hmm. with with the added loveliness of um Topless nun flagellation.
1: <laughs> that was a pretty awesome scene. You know
0: how much I love that. <laughs> topless so, nuns flagellating each other, but then having to beg for forgiveness from some like big titted old dude. No.
1: Well, that's every time a, a, a scene would start escalating to something decent. Some old white guy would come in, start yelling at everybody.
0: Yep, yeah, that's that's pretty much the case. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, if you like watching old white guys yell at women, this is the movie for you, I guess.
0: No. no. <laughs> I don't, as a matter of fact, but I did really like this movie. <laughs> I don't like watching old white men yell at, at, at women. I don't. But th- but this was fun. Alucarda was so unhinged.
1: She was striking as well. She was
0: she was striking and beautiful and her obsession was also incredibly beautiful. And that whole scene of them rolling down the hill in that crazy grass and there there was a lot of really beautiful beautiful imagery in this movie but yeah, it was basically the whole point of the film was to shame shame women the dousing and menstrual blood and the the villainization of alucarda and her obsession with justine and basically the whole climax and catharsis was of women should not lead other women astray and this is not something that should happen and women should be what we think they should be and I, that, 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 that was, that was the whole point of this was in a uh, Yukarta women were not being what these men thought that they should. And we saw with the topless bishop
1: <laughs> right, and,
0: and, all, and all of that coming in and these men coming in and reprimanding these women for their behavior was, was that, I mean, that it was, it was the, the women's idea of what they are, or what they should be is not what we think they should be. And then therefore we should be, pun- they should be punished for it even if it just has to do with, oh my God, I just bled all over my mummy
1: bandages. (laughs) Well, there is a sequence, though, near the end where, after the priests have, you know, all been talking down everyone, where Alucarda and Justine basically go full bore carry on everything and everyone. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So
1: there is a little bit comeuppance at the end of the movie, but of course... In a true, you know, satanic, manic, Catholic kind of movie here, the priests end up prevailing toward the end with Ah. a whole lot of holy water and a a bunch of mumbo jumbo nonsense. So it's got to get wrapped up the way you figure it's going to get wrapped up. But there is a wonderful sequence toward the end of this movie where Alucarda basically just ignites everyone on fire. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's wonderful, and then Justine, she wakes from one from the crypt in one of the coffins in like a bloodbath, and claws out one of the nun's eyes, and that's there's so many sequences. Okay, what I take away from this movie is there's so many amazing set pieces in Uh this movie. It's it's far more of a metaphorical film, and if you're you're into like kind of more atmospheric type stuff, this is totally for you. Just sit back, let it wash over you, understand what it is, and just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah, Uh,
0: if you're you're looking for implicit titties or explicit titties, you're not going to find it. But if you're looking for implicit ones, you found it.
1: (laughs) Well, that's not to say there aren't any boobies.
0: No, no, there, there are. And it's like all of there aren't any titties. And then all of a sudden, the... none orgy scene explodes and there's like all kinds of boobs and it's, it's lovely, but this isn't a sexy movie.
1: No, this is not a smut movie. This is far more of a horror film than it is a smut movie.
0: And it's, it's, it's a, it's a female horror film, which is one of those things that's difficult to describe to most dudes, but not necessarily you included, but um, that is difficult to describe to men that this is, this is my horror like there, there's this, this amazing book and also miniseries that BBC did called The Crimson Petal and the White, which is about a woman who's completely independent and she's a whore and she's going on and she's doing her own thing. And she gets attracted to a man who then kind of enslaves her. And so to me, that was a horror film. And that's exactly what this is, is mm-hmm. it's men coming in and taking over a female dominion. And that's what I think all of the period blood was for. Sure. And and to basically show that despite a masculine desire to control and to defeminize femininity, it still exists, and it mm-hmm. it, it creates a mass quantity of fear. And that's what this movie is to me is the male idea of fear of women.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel a lot of these non-exploitation films kind of exhibit that trait?
0: Yes, and this one was much less male gazy than a lot of the others. As far as like images from a convent go, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. which
0: I mean, I, turns me on but then I'm kind of gay. So,
1: <laughs>
0: but um but it it still caters to the masculine idea of men, women performing sexuality for them as opposed to the women in this film who were bleeding all over themselves and passionately in love with one another, regardless of what the male bishops came in and told them to do. And so that was that was quite, quite interesting to me. I yeah. I, 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 I like that quite a lot because it was uh, this was made in what, 76, 77, around the same time as mm-hmm. *Satanica Pandemonium. Right. And as opposed to it being women being under the influence of the devil, (laughs) (laughs) it was women under the influence of women and the masculine aversion to that. And so that was really cool to me. I, I, I like that. That scene where these women, you were talking about, oh, my God, they covered themselves up. I'm taking a Jackalman off, right?
1: <laughs> I was joking.
0: Because, no, 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 no. I get that. I get that. But but all of a sudden, I realize what you're saying is like there's all of a sudden this man comes in the room and he's like, oh, you can't be doing this. And they cover themselves up. Whereas before, when they were with the other women, they were like, why, ah, you know, and everything was was openly unavailable. And then this guy comes in and starts shaming them for their behavior and, and they acquiesce and they've got these beautiful fucking, you know, slash marks on their backs. And they're like looking at the bump at this guy and being like, Oh God, father, forgive me. And it's like, for what, (laughs) what what do you need exactly this man to forgive you for? Mm -hmm. Nothing. So it was. It was. It, it was a. It was. It was a definitely a thought-provoking film, in, in in that way. And like I said, I'm I'm always a proponent of let's throw as much menstrual blood out in their faces as we can. But these, this filmmaker did it in such a subtle. And not a subtle way. It wasn't subtle because these women, if you'd all like rip their bandages off like halfway through, it'd have been like a fucking bloodbath.
1: Right, right. Well, there's no, definitely nothing subtle about this. No,
0: no, no, nothing at all. And so that that was what was fascinating about it was that these mummy costumes that these 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 women had on were so soaked with the idea of menstrual blood and their femininity and how much it freaked out the men who had put been put in control of their of their lives. It was it was really interesting to me. I liked that.
1: That seems to be at play in almost all of these movies. Yeah, absolutely. um, It is an interesting dynamic. Having said that, though, Alucarda and Justine are possessed by demons.
0: The demons of PMS.
1: (laughs) Well, but literal demons. I mean, in the movie, they are possessed by demons.
0: Yeah, they are. Because how can you be a lesbian and not be attracted to men without being possessed by demons? (laughs) There must be something wrong with you if you don't want to suck dick. That's all. (laughs) And that's pretty much the subtext of the film. (laughs) (laughs) How can you not want my penis in your mouth? Well, I don't. (laughs) Just saying. There must be something wrong with you. Obviously, you're possessed
1: by the devil. Having said that, Paula, how many jackalmans are you going to give this thing? Four. Four jackalmans. That's it? Yeah. Huh, interesting. So what holds you back from the full five on this?
0: The lack of female positivity. The the idea that the only way that a woman could be interested in another woman is through demonic possession. As <laughs> opposed to, hey, you're cute. <laughs>
1: When we were watching this, didn't we all kind of just go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, Alucard, slow the, slow the, you know, hit the brakes here. You're going a little." Oh no!
0: Oh yeah! No, she she definitely um, embodied the whole idea of the lesbian U-Haul, which is we had one date, we got along really well. Let's move in.
1: Yes, exactly. Which Immediate is marriage,
0: which is really unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what Ayukarta definitely did. I mean, they had a blood oath in like what, 20 minutes.
1: Yeah, basically.
0: So they, they got that down, but um, it just, I don't know. I, I, I have to give it four to five because of its overall negativity towards female relationships.
1: I almost, even though with all my, you know, I, I kind of said that I didn't really, I thought it was kind of wallpapery at times. I still really liked this movie a lot.
0: Oh, it's good. It was good.
1: Absolutely. I, I'm going to say four mm. out of five as well. It's Is it perfect? No, um, but it is a great tone piece. Um, it is definitely one of those kinds of movies that, um, If you just want something strange on in the background, it's perfect. You can kind of dip in and out of it as you will, or just sit and watch it and enjoy it just the same. So um, for me, I could see myself watching this again at least a couple more times.
0: Oh, definitely. I would like to. I, I, I missed so much my first time through that I picked up on this time. It's definitely
1: a movie that you can let your brain kind of, your brain wanders to. And that's why we're, you know, we're, we're talking about this movie and we're talking far more about the subtext than literally what's on screen because literally what's on screen isn't necessarily what matters. Right. The ideas that are being put forward. So
0: yeah,
1: I dug it. I dug it a lot. Beautiful cinematography, wonderful score. Um, the acting all around for the most part, really intense. Uh, Mass quantities
0: of blasphemy. The blasphemy yes. was so hot, so tons hot. of it. Tons oh, yeah. of it. Oh, yeah.
1: It, and it's also goofy. Uh, Tina Romero, who is uh Alucarda, is the standout of this movie by far. She has oh, God, eyes yeah. that are just so piercing and intense.
0: And so mm. into what she's doing. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Totally. And of course, there's somebody wearing a goat's head. <laughs> At one point, in the movie. so you know you gotta watch this fucking. That,
0: that orgy was much more interesting than any orgy castle orgy we've seen.
1: Yes, yes,
0: and that's probably because there were lots of
1: crucifixions too. Well, it could also be that this movie was actually shot artistically. <laughs> as opposed to Orgy that, Castle where it's the whole idea of let's just set up a fucking camera in this room and you people just go do stuff in front of it.
0: Yeah, then there's that.
1: <laughs> so Alucard is far more of an art film and has far mm. more sensibilities of an art film than So, so, like
0: So who is that guy that we were watching about on Erotica before? Uh,
1: Bere- Berezin-
0: Berezinov? Is that his mm-hmm.
1: name? Yes.
0: Okay, well, we need to find some of his films because they look like a whole
1: lot of fun. Yeah, it looked similar to this as well. So um, let's go ahead, before we get too far into that, chat. let's go ahead and take a break. And Miss Angelique Bone promised me tonight, promised me no Bigfoot dick. No Does- Bigfoot dick on this episode <laughs> of Bug Club at Orgy Castle.
0: Does that make you sad? I know you like sweaty Bigfoot dick.
1: Oh, my God. Oh! Let's take a break. <laughs>
2: Welcome to Book Club at Orgy Castle. I'm your host, Angelique, and we had a little hiatus uh, last week, which was okay because I was still recovering from that awful, awful story that I read, but this is so exciting, you guys. History has been made. Dr. Chuck Tingle, our resident high buckaroo, (laughs) has written his first Ladybug on Ladybuck fiction. That's right, Girl on Girl. And it also entwines his love for um sentient objects. So this book <laughs> that we're talking about tonight is titled <clears throat> and, and just I want to give this the full Shakespearean effect. Sentient lesbian jet ski gets me off. (laughs) Yes! So, I told you, I promised that I would read something fun for you on the next broadcast, and this was fun. So, our story's protagonist is Polly, who has gone through a nasty breakup with her ex, Gorba. We don't know yet if Gorba is a human being or not, but Chuck did promise, I'm sorry, brevity, Dr. Tingle promised uh, at the end of the story in a note that uh, he would be writing more uh, ladybuck fiction, um, transbuck fiction, and, you know, hopefully... You know, maybe he'll uh, even take on my kind of fantasy involving a sentient lasagna. You never know. (laughs) But anyway, so Polly is uh, miserating because she broke up with Gorba and her friends, Rachel and, and a few others, decided to take her on a little girl's retreat to the lake. So they go to the lake and everything Polly sees reminds her of Gorba. So she's really kind of being a Debbie Downer until they go out to the lake after pounding some chocolate milk. Dr. Tingle's favorite beverage, just so you know. So they pound some chocolate milk and then they go to the lake and uh, the ladies rent some jet skis. And Polly's like, I can't rent a jet ski because Gorba likes jet skis. So she decides to lay her towel out on the beach and read a tingler. Well, as she's reading the tingler, she notices that the text is changing, like it's speaking to her. So she has a conversation with the book, and the tingler basically tells her, Hey, look, you know, we know your heart's broken and you had a bad breakup, but it's time to get out there and live. So she realizes that she's now a character in a tingler so it's a book within a book so she's like well why not let's do what we want so she goes and she looks at jet skis and they're all looking a little too flashy and masculine for her but then she sees at the end of the dock a jet ski that is reserved and you know sophisticated looking so she takes that one as she's riding the seat's vibrating so she's getting a little you know a little juice in the caboose there and uh, she stops, and the jet ski apologizes to her, and says, well, that happens if you're going fast, because the engine is right under the seat. Well, okay, so the jet ski is sentient and speaking to her. So they get to talking, and they introduce themselves, and the jet ski's name is Lamone Crim. Isn't that delightful? That's like my favorite name, Honey Dijon, you know? (laughs) Anyway, So they go to the beach and um, the jet ski now has a a face and arms and hands and they keep talking and the attraction grows and then she hooks up with a jet ski on the beach. Um, The jet ski goes down on her. She has the best orgasm in her life. She wants to return the favor but the jet ski's vagina is underneath so they go out in the water and uh, she gives... Lamone, the jet ski, the best orgasm of her life. And then they decide they need to catch up with their friends. But then Lamone is like, well, your rental time is almost up unless... And she asks her to be her girlfriend. Isn't that sweet? Oh, so yeah, this was awesome. I really am excited to see this new generation of Tinglers that are going to come out. I also got to looking through his uh, list of titles, many of which I haven't read, so we'll be sprinkling in a lot of Chuck Tingle uh, in the near future. any rate, please, if you've never read any Chuck Tingle, just go to Amazon and put him in the search and just pick one at random. Doesn't matter which. You're in for a treat. (laughs) No matter what kind of trot you tread. (sighs) Well, this has been Book Club at Orgy Castle. Again, I'm Angelique. Until next time, bye! (laughs)
1: I just watched this movie called The Big F uh, oh, yeah? by this guy. I know Nate Rumler out oh, of Michigan, okay. and uh, they compared Bigfoot, the smell of Bigfoot to dog piss. Why does it smell like dog piss in here? So Yuck. I'm guessing that's what a Bigfoot dick smells.
0: Like. I don't find piss erotic.
1: Well, some people do.
0: Yeah, some people are weird.
1: <laughs> we, can't, we can't piss shame on this podcast, Paula.
0: Like, I'm not gonna piss shame. <laughs> like, I'm not did, gonna. Did you,
1: I gotta ask you, did you think you would say that tonight? No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I'm not gonna piss shame. However,
1: however, I am gonna piss shame. I am gonna piss shame.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you. Uh, you. Yeah. You. No, no, thank you.
1: We took a week off last week unfortunately next week we're also going to take another week off
0: what's going on what's happening
1: oh i i'm stuck in a a shoot for the next week and it's just not gonna i'm gonna be out of town i'm not gonna be able to do the podcast so we're gonna take a week off again so thanks for sticking around with us listeners we
0: appreciate it
1: we very much appreciate it when we come back we're gonna finally put the last nail in the Flesh Trilogy call.
0: <gasps> Yay! The kiss of her flesh?
1: Yep. We're going to oh, end that trilogy. Oh,
0: Mr. Finley. Hell yeah.
1: So I'm very excited about this. And then after that, we're going to be going into the orgy of the dead. So we got some good stuff coming up. Oh, hell yeah, we do. So, Paula. Yes any parting words for the listeners before we go on hiatus again for another two weeks on hiatus for two weeks for one week for one week i'm sorry
0: and you're going out of town on business yes what's your business
1: (laughs) wouldn't you like to know
0: satan is the name she goes
2: Can't